0: Let's give it up for Jesus. Let's give it up for Jesus. Turn to your neighbor and say, God is good. The other person now, you got to say, all the time. There you go. One more time. Look at your neighbor. Look at somebody. Say, God is good. And then you look back and say, all the time. All right, 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 right. Very good. Oh, God, you're so good to us. Well, I believe that today is a good day to renew my mind, encourage my soul, align with truth, and walk in faith. I am excited about the word today. I wanted to jump right in. Here's what I want to do. I want to do something a little bit different. If you want to, for everyone that wants to give today, let's just give during the sermon. As you hear something that resonates with you, um, just walk on up to the barrels. Yeah, barrels. You're not going to interrupt me at all. I saw this done at a church one time where when the pastor said something good, like that resonated with their family, and they're like, I claim that for my my health or whatever. They would just give in to that. Now, we don't pay for blessings. Everyone understand this? Like, this is not a transaction to where you pay for what you want from God, but there is something pretty profound, I think, in that moment when I was there of hearing something that just moved me deeply. And I'm like, "I'm," and on that note, I'm going to give, you know. On that note, I'm going to continue my worship. So if you want to give as a family at the Barrels, feel free to do that at any point in today's sermon or on your phone. However it is that you give, please do give because your money, your contribution— your stewardship is important to this house. Um, but we just wanted to linger in the presence of God a minute. So I'm just kind of shortening offering and throwing it on to the sermon. Is that okay? Is, are you guys okay? Or you, you don't handle change very well, do you? Okay, you're okay. We're going to have fun today. Oh, Lord, we come before you. The God of the universe The one who knows our name, the one who knows the number of hairs we have on our head currently even after washing our hair in the shower this morning, the one that knows our our deepest fears, our deepest regrets, our concerns, and our potential in our future, oh God we invite you into this place to sit with us a while. God I ask that you would help us to grow and to learn and be stretched and challenged today. By your word, in Jesus' name, I pray. Let the church say, amen. amen, 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 amen. Thank you, Jesus. I want to do a two-part sermon. I'm going to just, in, in faith, go ahead and call it two parts, because I will not finish today. It's called Satisfaction. That's the title. Are you satisfied with that? Satisfaction. I want to talk to you about satisfaction we're coming upon a time and a season and a week where we're going to reflect on all of the things that we're grateful for on our level of satisfaction in life in our health in our finances in our relationships so i feel like it's a good day uh, to kind of cushion this week with the topic of satisfaction and contentment i want to take us to psalm 103 So if you have your Bible today, go ahead and turn to Psalm 103. You can also open Proverbs. We're going to be heading there later. Psalm 103, verses 1 through 5 says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. All right, so we're going now. In the next three verses, we're going to talk about, or we're going to see five benefits of blessing the Lord. Verse three says, "Who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies." Turn to your neighbor. Say, "I'm satisfied." If you're not, you're speaking it in faith today. And that's okay. You're not lying. You're not faking it till you make it. You're faithing it till you make it. Turn to your neighbor say, I'm satisfied. I'm satisfied. Now, if that's your spouse, you need to mean it. <laughs> I'm satisfied. Who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagle's. So we see a God who forgives, who heals, redeems, crowns, and satisfies. And today, this week of Thanksgiving, I want to just zero in. I want to take the plane from 30,000 feet to about 3,000 feet, and we're going to talk about satisfaction today. The first question I want to ask, and maybe you're taking notes, is what is satisfaction? What is satisfaction? Now, Many of us, and and there's so many words, isn't there, where if you're asked to define it, it's kind of hard to give language to it, but you know when you feel it. You know when you're dissatisfied, and you know when you're satisfied. Do you know what I mean? There are so many words out there like that. Satisfaction is kind of that way. It's hard to give language to what it is that satisfies me, but I know when I'm dissatisfied. And because it's so subjective, today I don't want to go off of my definition or your definition. I want to go off of the Bible's definition. Is that all right? The Bible says that satisfaction, according at least to uh, the old language of Hebrew, it means to be made full. Full. So full, in fact, that you become weary of being full. Oh, what a great week, because on Thursday, you're going to eat so much food. You're going to become weary of fullness, right? Everyone's shaking their head. You are people who have never learned this lesson. The lesson is you're miserable for about an hour and a half, and then you do it again that night with the leftovers. The Hebrew word of satisfaction is so full that you're on the verge of being weary. I want to be that satisfied. I don't want to have to manufacture satisfaction, whatever that is. Can't be manufactured by humans. wise. I don't want to have to pretend to be full. I I just want to be so full, I'm almost like, God, just slow down a moment pouring out the blessings. I, I just need a moment to relax because I've just been too good. You don't want to pray that prayer? I want to pray that prayer. I'm like, oh, God, I'm just too blessed. Bless somebody else for a moment. I need to breathe. I'm overwhelmed with the blessings. I'm overwhelmed. I'm so satisfied. This scripture says, Who satisfies, in verse 5, who satisfies your mouth with good things. Isn't that interesting? The scripture says, He satisfies your mouth. It doesn't say satisfies your soul, satisfies your heart, satisfies your bank account. He satisfies your mouth with good things. Now, in the Hebrew, I went to see what mouth means, and it's something very interesting. And I need to fill you in so that we can understand the fullness and the depth and the richness of the satisfaction. Oh my gosh, <laughs> Satisfication tray is not a word. <laughs> satisfaction, man. I keep saying satisfaction because I can't get no satisfaction. Yeah, but I try. You know, I try. Um, The depth of, I almost said it again. (laughs) Satisfaction, thank you. The depth of satisfaction. We have to understand this word mouth. Now, listen closely, lean in, because this makes a big difference. In the Hebrew, the word mouth means ornament. Ornament. I had no clue what that meant. So I had to dig a little bit deeper to understand that it meant this. Lean in closer. Horses, mouths, ornament. Wow. A bridle in English terms the thing that guides the mouth, that guides the horse. God pours satisfaction on the mouth that is blessed and bridled. Hmm. God says, yes, I'm going to satisfy your mouth with good things, but let me tell you what kind of mouth I'm going to satisfy. I'm going to satisfy a controlled mouth. Oh, a controlled mouth. Mouth. A controlled mouth, by the way, is evident not just by the words that you speak, but by your appetites, by the things that you crave and the things that you run after. And if you can't control your appetites, you will never be satisfied. And we'll test that on Thursday because you're going to look at the dessert table and you're going to see. More dessert than you need to be eating. And if you can't control your appetites, you will never be satisfied. So, what is sat- satisfaction? It's being full to the point of being weary. God wants to satisfy the mouth that is bridled, that is controlled by Him. To the person who has surrendered their appetites to him, it says that God is going to bless us with good things. But who satisfies? Forget not his benefits. In verse 2, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of his benefits. What are his benefits as they're listed? Number one, he heals. Only God can heal, by the way. Man can't heal. I mean, I am thankful for medicine and surgery and doctors, but it's even through their efforts that we're healed because of God. God gave them the intelligence and the wisdom and the tools and the ability to bring healing through medicine. Even your own body, you, you fall down and you skin a knee and eventually it heals over. Only your body can heal itself only through the hand of God. It's not through your own ability. It's not through your own immune system. It's not through your own DNA. It's by the hand of God that your body was created to heal itself. So it is only God that can heal us. That's a benefit of following him. In addition to that, we see that he redeems us from life's destructions. He redeems us. He then crowns us, and he satisfies. Listen, church, it is only God that can satisfy you. You're making plans for the holiday, and you're wanting the table set right, and you're wanting the recipe to work, and you're wanting all the family to come in, and you're wanting it to be just perfect, but hear me, at the end of the day, none of that will satisfy you. It will only be temporal. It'll be fleeting. If you want satisfaction this week during Thanksgiving, we need to know that satisfaction only comes through God. You will never be satisfied by anything or anyone other than God. Can I get an amen from the second row? Bald man in the green shirt. Gray shirt. (laughs) Ecclesiastes 5.10 says, whoever loves money never has enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with his income. This too is meaningless. Psalm 145.16 says, you open your hand and satisfy the desires of every living thing. Only God can satisfy us. So if you're looking for a new job today, if you're looking for a new position, a new house, a raise, a new car, some new form of recognition, or a new husband, whatever it is that you're looking for today, it's, if it's temporary, you should know it's not going to satisfy you. I can't tell you how many, I hate to admit this, but I'm going to have a moment of transparency and vulnerability. I can't tell you the number of times I've seen the perfect pants or the perfect shirt or the perfect workout equipment. Whatever it is, I look at it and I think, oh man, I really, I'm not sure that I have the margin in my budget for this, but if I just, if I just can get this, I won't want anything for a long, long, long time. <laughs> Am I the only one? Y'all done this too. I know at least some of you, at least one of you in every family has this tendency. Like, if I just, if I just get this, I can coast, I'll be happy for a little bit. But you know what? You get it, and then you realize your eye turns to something else. Something else is going to satisfy you, because that thing didn't satisfy you, and it If you just get the house, the bigger house, then you can finally be happy. You just need room to spread out because your kids are on your nerves. You need room for them to go away. And then you get the bigger house and you realize you've got more to clean. If I could just get a maid, if I could get a housekeeper, and then you get a, a housekeeper and they steal from you. Like The more things you think will solve the problems that aren't Jesus, the more problems you attract. Because the only thing that satisfies is the Lord. Can I get an amen? What is the result of satisfaction? What is the result of satisfaction? Before I talk about the result of satisfaction, though, the positive result, I want to take you to Proverbs 30. We know that the Scripture says the positive result is that our youth will be renewed like the eagles, and we'll talk about that in just a moment. But let's talk about Proverbs 30, 11, 16. There is a generation that curses its father and does not bless its mother. There is a generation that is pure and in its own eyes, yet is not washed from its filthiness. They're calling evil good and good evil. Verse 13, there is a generation. Oh, how lofty are their eyes and their eyelids are lifted up. So pride, there's a generation dealing with pride. Verse 14, there is a generation whose teeth are like swords and whose fangs are like knives to devour the poor from off the earth and the needy from among them. So there's a generation there of sarcasm and sharp words and angry words and quick to get upset. Verse 15, the leech has two daughters, give and give. There are three things that are never satisfied. Four never say enough. The grave, the barren womb, the earth that is not satisfied with water, and the fire never says enough. So we see here the Bible is talking about a generation who has certain qualities or characteristics and birth out of that is a generation that is never satisfied. And so before we talk about The good results of satisfaction, let's first just look at the four analogies of things that are never satisfied, because that describes, I believe, the generation that we are currently in. I believe that we are in a generation currently that is disobedient, rebellious toward mom and dad. They're going to do what they want to do, and you're not going to tell them otherwise because I'm my own person. They're disobedient but not just against mom and dad, against all authority. Not just all authority, against God. I know what scripture says, but it doesn't matter. I'm going to do it. I'm going to live my life, and God's just going to have to deal with it. And maybe they would say they would never say that to God face to face, but in essence, that's the life that they're living. We have a generation that has completely lost it. They've lost their mind with disobedience. The chasing after the next thing that they think is going to satisfy them, and the end result, I guarantee it, they can take it to the bank. They won't find satisfaction in the next step, period. You can take that to the bank because it's birthed out of disobedience. It's birthed out of a rebellious heart. But not only rebellion, a generation that calls the pure impure and the impure pure. All you church folk who stand up for the word of God, there's coming a day of significantly more persecution than you currently face. Because you're standing for the precepts and the principles of God. And as you do that, the world becomes in conflict with you. By the way, if the world loves you, you're running in the same direction as the world. And so we say things from heart just trying to please people and bring love into the world and help people get along, but we don't understand that when we call evil good and good evil, it never results in satisfaction. It never results in harmony. It never results in unity. It always results in destruction. I believe we're in that generation. We're also in a generation of sarcasm and sharp words. You can say anything on social media. I'm not really on social media anymore these days. I share the church stream, and that's about it, because I realized it's not healthy for me to be on social media. So I'm not really on there. So if I've missed your birthday this year, happy birthday. If you you need me, text me, call me. Uh, But I don't scroll. I I would love to know, like, have coffee with you if you're paying, and (laughs) hear all about your life. I, I want to be in your world, but I don't want to be in your social world, because the social you is not the real you. And it's hard for me to pastor the social you and the real you, and it's hard for you to be pastored from a real tray and a social tray. You, you can't handle that, and I can't handle that, so I've backed off. I don't know why I'm going here. But I do know this. If social media is anything like it was when I stepped away, you say one wrong thing, and the dogs are let loose, and you're attacked instantly no one gives you the benefit of the doubt no one asks for clarification before they pounce on you or even worse they share it to all of their contacts to get them mad at you and destroy your church or your family or your livelihood do you know what I mean like we are in a generation where it's not just we don't believe the best in anybody anymore if you make a mistake it's it's because you were out to get me not because you're human not because you just made a mistake. We are in a generation where sarcasm and sharp words have their clinch on people. And we are in a generation that is never satisfied and their attitude is give to me, give to me, give to me. You know what I wonder? I've been wondering a lot. If some of the physical maladies that we have Depression, anxiety, chronic fatigue syndrome, IBS. Anyth- that's a weird one just to throw out randomly. <laughs> but I just wonder, I, someone's like, what's IBS? It's irritable bowel syndrome. Thank God you don't know what IBS is. Because those of us, those of them with IBS <laughs> know what IBS is. I wonder how many of our physical maladies are actually birthed from a spiritual malady. That we are actually holding on to something because we are pursuing satisfaction from something that can't satisfy. For for example, this is a simple example so you can apply it to your home. I wonder how many homes have two families, sorry, two adults working, so to a mom and a dad working for income, and a lot of times, especially in this economy, that's required for both people to work. It really is, but I wonder how many of our homes have mom and dad pursuing work outside of the home, not because it's a need, not because they need retirement, it's because they actually just need to get satisfied by more stuff, a better car, more cars, another car. And because we're working so much to attain that next thing that's going to satisfy us, in exchange for our peace, we're getting anxiety, we're getting depression, we're always tired, we're always irritable. Irritable. You can go ahead and nudge the person next to you if that applies to them. Because maybe we're irritable because we're chasing after the wrong things. And sooner or later you're going to realize you can't get no satisfaction satisfaction, satisfaction. <laughs> how how are we to receive the benefit It says here that our youth is going to be restored like the eagle. Our youth? Does that mean that I'm going to be able to bend my knees all the way without any pain? Oh, Oh, yes! That hurt a little bit on the left one, but someday I'm getting there. I'm stretching it out. See, some some of you young people sitting on the front row over here, when I say youth is going to be restored, you're like, oh, whatever. I'm already young, I'm already hip, I'm already cool, and you 20-year-olds are like, I love how like 26 and 27-year-olds are like, oh, I'm getting so old, as they sip their latte, and I'm like, shut up. <laughs> You're still a baby, but when you hit 40, it, you start to like feel life is changing. I'm 49. Next year, I'm what? Who said it? ooh? <laughs> You're shocked too, huh? I know, I don't look a day over 48. I'm 49 years old. Next year, I'll be, I'll be 50. And, you know, I, I look in the mirror sometimes, or especially like when I go to the gym and my body doesn't do what I want it to do, and I've got my workout plan, and on my app that I use to work out, it gives me... Um, an illustration of what I'm supposed to do, but it's, it's uh, animated. So I see this little animated man doing the squats where his butt touches the ground or whatever, and I'm like, oh, easy, no problem. And I get about right here, and I realize my body's not doing what this picture says my body should be doing. And then I, I change back into regular clothes, and I look at myself always in the mirror, because you gotta see that pump before you leave the gym. And, and I think to myself, that body looks 49. Man, I feel like 26 inside. I feel young still. I think I'm fun to be around Jordan. I'm a fun dad. I'm a lively dad. But when it says the youth is going to be restored, that's actually pretty exciting to many of us who are now not youth. Youth is going to be restored like the eagle, like the eagle. God created the eagle, by the way. It did not evolve. The eagle is not the ancestor of a pterodactyl. God created the eagle, and it's a powerful creature. I don't know if you've ever studied the eagle, but listen. The, the eagle has up to a seven-foot wingspan, massive. It can carry twice its weight. I have a hard time carrying my own weight. But the eagle can carry twice its weight. It has is, it is got the eyesight four times better than a human four times better, and get this, their eyesight never, never dims, so the older they get, they've still got the eyesight, and every single year, eagles get new feathers, every single year, Michael, when you hit 40, every single year, you get new skin tags, (laughs) that's what you have to look forward to, son, welcome to adulthood, he says, "What's a skin tag?" Oh, you will know. You will know. Come on, everybody in the room, focus, focus. You're thinking about all your, You're counting your skin tags. Listen. My wife is like, I don't have any. I've got enough for the both of us, honey. Our youth is renewed like the eagle. The eagle is powerful, but do you know one of the leading causes of death of the eagle? (laughs) Drowning. Drowning. It's one of the leading causes of death of eagles drowning. You've seen them swoop down and get the fish? It's because they will swoop down and get a fish that is bigger than they can carry and the fish will pull them underwater and they just won't let go. So they die greed, because, okay, come on, give big, give big, anybody else, can I get a 20, can I get a, (laughs) just kidding, (laughs) they would be fine with this kind of fish, but they're not satisfied, they got to go for the big fish that God never intended for them to carry, our youth will be restored like the eagles, when was Jesus satisfied, by the way? Was Jesus satisfied when he did Sermon on the Mount? Was Jesus satisfied when he raised Lazarus from the dead? Was Jesus satisfied when he fed the 5,000 with fish and bread? When was Jesus satisfied? We know when he was satisfied based on Isaiah fifty three eleven. It says, he shall see the labor of his soul and be satisfied. It was a future prophecy of Jesus, and it was letting you and I know that when he saw the completion of his labor, he was satisfied. When Jesus hung on the cross for your sin, his satisfaction reached its peak. Jesus was satisfied when he gave it all. He gave it all. That's the benefit of following Jesus. You know, if you've ever looked for a job before, I've been scanning jobs to see what's out there and see who's hiring and what's what and looking at the benefits, and when you get a a job, you compare benefits, because it's not just about the base pay, it's about the benefits, too. 401K, 401K matching, health benefits, does it cover your spouse, is it vision, is it, what is it? Is there so many benefits? Is there a gym membership? You get the point. Do they give you a vehicle? Do they give you a gas card? Do they pay for your tolls? Benefits. And I noticed that you only get benefits when you're employed Full-time. They don't give benefits to part-timers. And I wonder how many part-time Christians are wondering why they're not getting full-time benefits from heaven. We want the satisfaction of heaven, but we don't want to go all in. We want the satisfaction of a full-time believer. And by the way, let me just remind you that I'm not talking about working. I'm not talking about about works. In fact, the people came to Jesus and said, tell us the works of heaven so that we may, may too follow you. And, and Jesus said, the works are that you believe. So your works don't get you to heaven. I'm not at all suggesting that your works get you to heaven. What I'm saying is, are you all in for Jesus or not? Or is this just kind of a Sunday thing? I mean, some of us, it's not even a Sunday thing. It's like a quarterly Sunday thing. I mean, we're saying amen, and we felt the Spirit of God in the worship. We feel the Spirit of God settling in the room right now because He's about to do some transformation in our hearts. I I sense it. You sense it. Especially if God's about to fine-tune something in you, you feel the presence of God settling right now because He's about to do something in the room. But will you feel that tomorrow morning? Will you feel that when you're running late for work? Will you feel that when you get paid and you go into the grocery store because you have no food in the pantry? Like, are we all in for Jesus or not? Because all the things we're chasing won't satisfy. We all need money. We all need a career. We all need healthy relationships. We all need fitness and health. But at the end of the day, just give me Jesus. There's a story of a woman in Scripture. I'll close with this. It's in the book of John, chapter 4. In fact, I'll read the first ten verses to set the stage. You've probably heard this story. If you grew up in church, especially in a a Baptist church, you've done flannel boards on this. John chapter 4, verse 1 says, Therefore, when the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself did not baptize but his disciples. He left Judea and departed again to Galilee, but he needed to go through Samaria. So he came to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey, sat thus by the well. It was about the sixth hour. That that means it was really hot. Jesus, tired, thirsty, super hot. And a woman of Samaria came to draw water. And Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew... Ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman. For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus is meeting a woman at the well who is a Samaritan. He's asking for a drink and she's shocked. Samaritans. What are Samaritans. 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 When the Assyrians came and northern Israel was captured, they took the Israelites back into Syria. The Assyrians killed the men and then married their women. Okay? Not because they were in love with the women, but they wanted to water down the Jewish line. It was their way to degrade the Jews. A Samaritan was born from an Assyrian and a Jewish woman. That's how they became Samaritan. Now, in this time, the Jews could not stand the Samaritans because it reminded them of, like, just the captivity of the Assyrians, and they just totally rejected them, rejected them. In fact, uh, it it was known at the time that if you ever talked with or entertained a Samaritan, you then would become an outcast. She was half Jew, half Assyrian. And then in verse 10, Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Then they go on and have a theological chat about worship, which is super cool if you're a worship leader at all at the Exchange Church, please read John chapter 4 because the concept of worship in there, it's it's phenomenal text for worship, but he's talking with the woman at the well about worship. He's talking to a woman. (laughs) Not just a Samaritan, a woman. This was unheard of. I mean, it was said, there was a, a a rabbinical saying Rabbinical proverb, they said something similar to the line of, It's better to burn the Torah than to allow a woman to read from it. Ladies, you've come a long way. The Lord has really brought some freedom to you. Women weren't allowed to sit in the temple, they could go over there and like crochet together and talk about all of their Pinterest ideas, and you know, how they're raising kids, and decorating, and all of that, but the men were going to study the Torah, and they're going to learn, and then they will go back home, and they will talk to their ladies. There was another one, uh, another proverb, or saying, not a proverb, a saying of the Jews at the time, and they would say something similar to like, thank you, God, for you have created me, not a woman in their giving thanks to god they would thank god that he created them not as a woman and so here is jesus talking to a samaritan and a woman he's already turning cultural norms way upside down but then then there's some more details that we learn about this woman do you remember in the story it says something about she's been married before Anyone remember how many times she's been married? Five times. She's been married five times, and the man she's with now is not her husband. You know, growing up, I always just really bashed the woman. Like, she's sleazy, you know? She needs to get it together. I mean, that's kind of like the modern evangelical perception of this woman who's been married five times, and now she's shacking up with a man that she's not married. But we got it wrong, church. That wasn't the case at all. This woman is not a slut. She's not someone who jumps from marriage bed to marriage bed. She's been married five times. And in this culture and in this day, it was highly improbable that anyone would ever be married twice. Yet she was married five times. In this culture the men could give an issue a right of divorce for any reason they want. And once you got a certificate of divorce, you were pretty much untouchable. Women would not then get remarried because no one wanted them. You were no good. If you got a certificate of divorce, it told the whole town not to even bother with you. You were worthless. You were no good. In fact, there was a a rabbi who died about five years after Jesus was born. He was very popular, Rabbi, rabbi Halal. He died about five years, yeah, after Jesus was born. And he had such disregard for women that he advised the men to divorce their wives if they did not enjoy their cooking. So we know that this woman was not sleazy. We know that. Do you know why? There would have been too much pressure after the second marriage and third marriage and fourth marriage. No guy would want to touch her with a 10-foot pole. The only reason she's married five times, the only reason possibly that she could be married five times is that she is one hot lady, super beautiful, and has the highest character that anyone has ever seen. And so the five husbands thought she was worth the risk. She was a good woman, wonderful woman. Possibly she was divorced five times because she was unable to have kids. And when the men found out, they divorced her so that they could carry on their line. It's just a guess, but it's highly likely. There's a woman at the well who's beautiful, moral woman, high character, thought of well among family and friends, but she has a barren womb. And all she has been wanting is affection and love. <laughs> and she's at the point now, she's with a man who won't even bother marrying her. They're just shacking up. Why, why marry her if you know that you can't have kids, so he's just, you know. You know. What's the saying? Why buy the cow when you can get the milk for free? Poor woman. But it happened to be her day, sitting there at the well with Jesus. And she says, this man told me everything about myself. She runs into the town and says, this man told me everything about myself. And in their talk of worship, by the way, while they're sitting there, When you break down the word worship, it means to kind of bow down, bow low. But it doesn't mean just bow down. It means to kiss. So Jesus, talking to this woman who's had five husbands, now shacking up with the man, brings up the subject of worship. And here's what he's really saying to her. If you move towards me with your kisses, you won't be thirsty for affection again. He's saying, I'm the only one that can satisfy. Will you bow your head and close your eyes this morning? If you're sitting by a well today, Jesus is pursuing you. if you find yourself at a place drawing water from a well that maybe feels like it's gone dry, Jesus is sitting there with you. You've been running after the dream, running after the hope, running after the thing that is ultimately going to fulfill you. But if you're running alone, you need to know it's not going to satisfy. Jesus told the woman at the well, everything she ever did not as a punitive measure to reveal her deep dark secrets but to let her know that he knows it all and he loves her anyway if you're here today in this week of thanksgiving you need to readjust what you're running towards and you need to acknowledge that Jesus is the only thing that can satisfy you, will you just put your hand over your heart today? You want to settle back into the rest and the knowing that there is nothing else that can satisfy. Father, every person in the room who has placed their hand over their heart, we're hungry for you. We're thirsty for you. God, we have somehow gotten off track. We have somehow gone astray, chasing the things that we think are so critical and so valuable and important. But God, at the end of the day, it's all about you. God, I ask that you would help us to be satisfied in you, by you, and through you, all for you. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Amen. Will you stand to your feet this morning? Now I'll turn to your neighbor and say, I really am satisfied. Amen. We're going to talk more next week about satisfaction. And I am excited uh, to see you again next week. Before you go today, don't forget to give in our offering at the barrels or online. Your gift is important and valuable. If you don't get the chance to give today, know this. There is a Christmas gift, a special Christmas offering coming up on December 3rd. Yes, thank you, Pedro. Legacy offering has been pushed from December. We're pushing legacy offering into 2024. Uh, But we had so many people say, but I've been preparing for legacy, and I want to give a gift on Christmas. You're going to have your chance December 3rd for a special Christmas offering. So go ahead, make plans for that, and we will see you next week, 1030 a.m. God bless you. Have a great week.